I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable and uh, just spend a few moments talking about a very good friend of mine. And like a lot of friendships, it doesn't always start off natural, easy. You know, there are some friendships that you just, I know, it's just that chemistry, you hit it off straight away. This uh, wasn't such the case. And I heard about this guy and I was intrigued as a child, um, but I just found him really hard to approach. Uh, little mysterious, very hard to connect with. And so for most of my childhood, I thought, oh, I'd like to get to know this guy, but this is something a little bit too mysterious. I got a little bit older and, you know, my mid-teens, early 20s, I told people about this guy I want to get to know and they just said, Rob, uh, the people that hang out with him are a little bit weird. You, you probably don't want to go down that track. And they're people I respected and so I thought, yeah, but he, there's just something about him I want to get to know, I want to hang out and, you know, go on a journey, see where it goes. And they just said, Rob, it's... He's sort of like that crazy uncle. You just don't want to get to know him. Something happened in March 1989. I went to what was known as Challenge Stadium for a conference. And there I got to know him. And I can declare today that he is my closest friend. And his name is Holy Spirit. Yeah, Holy Spirit. Well, we've had an interesting journey, obviously, growing up in Churches of Christ in Sydney. Uh, it, it was a great church. But back in the 60s, you know, there was your Baptist, your Church of Christ, and we were into the Word, and I am forever grateful for my her heritage in, in the Word of God and missions. We were very good there, but, you know, it was all very uh, orderly, which was what I thought was normal. And then in the 70s, elders and others started warning us about the Pentecostals. <laughs> Rob, whatever you do, don't go there. They're weird. They are, all of them, the crazy uncle. That's just, don't go there. And yet something in me, I don't know about you, that when people say don't, you just go, what don't they know? And are they holding out? And you know, I. I remember doing a, a beach mission uh, in, in Sydney and there was a Pentecostal on the team. There was Anglican, Baptist, Church of Christ, Uniting, Catholic and one Pentecostal. And at the end of the time I realised she's not weird. She was very passionate for the lost, um, didn't speak in tongues, you know, Rhonda's got a Honda or sort of whatever. <laughs> but the turning point, as I said, where intrigue, turned into an encounter was when our senior pastor, I was a youth pastor at Warwick Church Christ, and our senior pastor, Graeme Carslake, said uh, to our team, I'd like us all to go to a conference, to go to this conference as a team. Uh, Graeme had heard John Wimber, a uh, lecturer in the United States in church growth. He, John Wimber and the Vineyard team uh, was coming over to Perth. Didn't know anything about John Wimber, didn't know about the Vineyard. I heard he was more charismatic. I thought, well, that's okay, because Pentecostals, you know, they're, they're really crazy. Um, charismatics that you could tolerate. And, and so I saw the picture of him. I thought, gosh, it looks like Kenny Rogers, just a little bit bigger. And so and, and it's okay. I'm not being disrespectful for John Wimber because he used to say, hey, I'm just a fat man on my way to heaven. So, you know, he, he was just a bigger version of 
Whatever. So anyhow, I went there uh, a little cynical, but hey, the church are paying for me to have a, a week away from the office, and I thought this is really good. So I was in the back row of Challenge Stadium with another youth pastor who was also very cynical about Holy Spirit and charismatic things. So anyhow, the worship started, and I was like, whoa, I rather like that. It was couple of guys and guitars. It was very contemporary. You know, at Warwick, we were singing choruses, you know, as a deer panteth for water and choruses like that, classics from the rising of the sun. There were times we did the round, you know, half, you know, you start rejoicing, Lord, you know, yeah. And then, of course, Jeff Bullock came on the scene and Hillsong started introducing the power of your love and we would sing that every Sunday uh, without fail. It was, uh, it was great. But Here's my first introduction. I'm thinking, oh, I, I like, worship was, was fantastic. Uh, then the teaching started and it was very long. Uh, most of them would teach for 50 minutes plus and very conversational, not hyper or anything like that. And then there was ministry time. There was a little bit of shrieking, some crying, some singing in tongues. That was all new for me. And I thought, whoa, glad I'm not paying for this. So anyhow... Um, I got through the morning and then you had lunch and then afternoon was electives. There was a choice of three, evangelism. I thought, well, you go to an evangelism seminar and you're only going to feel guilty. <laughs> then there's demonisation. I mean, I'm a church cross guy. What, 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 what? A year before that time, I did try to minister to a guy who was demonised it was two of us, and he punched one guy in the nose and broke his nose. He punched me in the mouth, broke my front tooth. He had me pinned on the ground with a razor blade and said, Rob, unless you say Satan is king, I'm going to slash your face. Now, I've been trained in Churches Across Theological College how to do reflective uh, listening, and <laughs> that wasn't working. I... Mark, you're feeling very angry right now. It's, uh, I, didn't, I realized then I was, I was not equipped for that. So you could do demonisation, but I thought, I've had an encounter with a demonised person and this, that elective is just going to be messy, so no way. The other choice was spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, I know, prophecy, words of knowledge, and, you know, Rhonda has the Honda, you know, the tongues thing, because the tongues thing for me was just really bizarre. So I thought, I'll go for evangelism, I'll go for guilt. Well, unfortunately, that was full. <laughs> so demonisation, spiritual gifts, oh. Eeny, meeny, you know. Um, did, ever done that with yourself? Oh, anyhow. Uh, spiritual gifts. So anyhow, spiritual gifts. So you go into one of the, the rooms. There's a few hundred people. The guy, this lanky American called Brent Roos, started speaking about his journey with Holy Spirit. And I thought, he's very relatable, very conversational, very chilled, American, uh, you know, Americans know best type of thing. Uh, we're going to show you how to grow the church. And... He started telling his story and then it was like, okay, our first session is words of knowledge. And I didn't know what a word of knowledge was, but he just said that there are times the Holy Spirit will give you a word, a phrase. Sometimes you might feel it. Sometimes you might see an image, a spontaneous word, and you call it out. It means something to someone and, you know, power of God comes. Wow. It's like... Yeah, right, okay. So anyhow, he went through, you know, Corinthians, all the references, verse by verse, looking at great words. I'm thinking, ooh, okay, so it's not just an emotionalism type of thing. He was very, 
this is how it is. He talked about his personal struggles with gifts because he was very conservative and whatever, whatever. And then he said, okay, so let's now do the stuff. And that was John Wimber's thing. You do the teaching and it wasn't like, hey, I'm the expert. It's like, hey, you guys get to do the stuff. Oh. So Brent said, okay, are there anyone that might have a word for Son here? And immediately, all these arms are going up. I think, wow, they're very receptive. And so, yes, oh, there's someone here with a headache. I'm going, serious? I could have, you know, like chances are. So Rob, you know, cynical Rob is really, I'm having a field day and someone's got a sore back. And I'm thinking, mm. then a the lady, it was, a, I, I remember this so well. She said, I see red glasses. And Brent said, okay, is there anything about it? No, I just see red glasses, rah, rah. And I'm thinking, okay, cuckoo. Anyhow, <laughs> word after word after word. There's probably 20 or so words. Then I'm sitting in the, sec I'm sitting in the second row, which is unusual for me because usually if I'm in something different, I, I want to be right at the back. But because I'm intrigued about Holy Spirit, and I've been told have nothing to do with him, he's the crazy uncle of the Trinity, um, I, I want to get close to the action. So I'm sitting in the second row. In front of me was a guy sitting on his own. He put up his hand. And Brent said, yes. And he said, uh, I see a penis. <laughs> uh, security? <laughs> now, what, what, what intrigued me, and I, if you're offended, I was as well. So <laughs> the, the story is going somewhere. But the guy, he didn't look embarrassed. It's like, I bet he's given words like this before. What intrigued me was Brent was not in any way, whoa, um, let's just, sorry, that's inappropriate. He asked him for more information. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, he, this crazy uncle's starting to manifest. And it's like, the words and words and words, and there was probably, I don't know, 30, 50 words given. Obviously, I didn't have any apart from, why this guy should be out. This is so inappropriate. So anyhow, Brent says, okay, if any of those words for you, I want you to come to the front of the meeting and I want you to face the audience, the congregation. So every, I was surprised. I bet a lot of people with headaches and backaches. Anyhow, they all came to the front and then Brent said, okay, you guys pray for them. I thought, well, that's what you Americans are here for. Aren't you here to do the stuff? But it's like, no. You ought to do this stuff. So I thought, oh, man, hope I don't get the lady with the red glasses, whatever that means. And I saw this Church of Christ uh, leader, and I thought, oh, I know him. So I went up with him. There were a couple of others with me, and I said, oh, how are you going? Um, how can I pray? And he says, oh, Rob, I've, um, I've been having a problem maintaining an erection for a number of years, and it's, I feel shame. And... Um, it's really put a lot of pressure on our marriage. And I'm thinking, great. <laughs> great. Why couldn't I have the lady with the glasses or the person with a headache? I get to get, I've got the guy with the penis. Yeah? And so, oh, man. Uh, I mean, I fell for him, but I thought, this is, I am really, you know, I've been in Bible college. I'm, I've been a youth pastor for one year, and I feel like L plates almost not for learner, for loser. I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm, how do you pray for that? And then of course, have you ever seen the vineyard model for prayer? You ask the person, how can I pray? So I've done that. Then you ask, do you, do you have any sensation? 
Do you feel heat? Do you feel tingling? Uh, you sometimes, if appropriate, you lay hand. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm not gonna, I, we prayed, I'm not gonna ask him. I have seen him sometime, a few times since. I've never, I've been too embarrassed to ask, did anything happen? And the reason why I'm sharing this with you is that's my introduction to spiritual gifts and the person of the Holy Spirit. It was awkward, it was weird, it was strange. And yet as the conference began to gain momentum, I went from being cynical, Rob, to there's got to be more. And is this the more? And can I ask for the more? But when I ask for more, I don't want that, that, that and that. Or do you just ask for more and it's up to God to give you what he thinks the more is? And yes, on the very last elective, it was that spiritual gift that I've never understood, rarely had a desire, and that was the gift of tongues. Again, Brent went through Corinthians verse by verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse by verse, Greek word, Greek word, his story, clumsy, awkward, sort of got the gift, didn't know if it was, yes, no. It was so relatable that it actually awakened something on the inside, not for the gift, but what if the gift actually helps me grow in relationship with Holy Spirit? And so this naive, awkward, feeling out of place, Church of Christ pastor, for the very first time, began to speak in tongues. I spoke in tongues and I spoke in tongues and I'm driving home and I'm speaking in tongues. I hummed in tongues, I sang in tongues, I thought in tongues. I went to bed and I, I couldn't go to sleep. I, I was just speaking in tongues and as soon as I woke up, in fact, I set the alarm for very early for me while it was still dark, so I could get up well before I got to read the Bible, so I could just speak in tongues. This went on for months and years. And, and I got all of the tapes from the conference, This the days of Walkmans. And so in bed, I've got my Walkman on and I'd wake up sometimes two in the morning that's, you know, I'm strangling me, you know, and the, the, the tapes chewed up and, and it was just this appetite and this hunger and this desire not so much for power, not so much just for the encounter, but for one person who for much of my life, life was like the displaced person of the Trinity called Holy Spirit. For most of my life, I heard Holy Spirit mentioned at someone's baptism. Like if I think of my baptism, that was probably the first time I heard Holy Spirit. It was like, Rob, we now baptise you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was almost, whoa, who's that? And out I came and up from the grave, he rises, like the classic church Christ hymn. And, and then sometimes the benediction, you know, the grace of God and then the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Ooh, holy, who's Holy Spirit? But I'm sharing this because I think for a lot of us, the Holy Spirit is mysterious, this mysterious displace and at times depersonalize person. 
You know, you, for those of you who are Star Wars fans, you, you know the phrase, use the force, Luke, and it's all about the force and the force is everywhere and he's got, you know, mentors to train him in the force and being careful of emotions like anger and others because that can really take you to the dark side. And, but it's a force. But the Holy Spirit's not a force. He's not merely power, though he's powerful. The Holy Spirit is a person. God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Is it any wonder that we read in the New Testament, do not blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Do not lie to the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit is a person you can lie to, you can blaspheme against, you can quench, you can hinder, you can grieve. So I want to share with you about this person of the Holy Spirit and sharing my story partly because it is entertaining but it's relatable because I would imagine there are some here Followers of Jesus, yeah, he is your Lord and Saviour and you pray to God the Father, but this Holy Spirit, that last song that we sang, it's, I liked all the other songs, but you know, it was a lot about pouring out and Holy Spirit and tongues of fire and what is that all about? See, what I experienced at this conference was I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, I've probably been filled at other times, but this was certainly a time where I was filled to the point of being overwhelmed with. Again, not just I want to know more about this, I want this power. It was just I want to know this person. This person whose, in a sense, his role is to lead us to Christ, to guide us into truth. In a sense, he doesn't want us to worship him. It's like, no, worship Worship the Father, worship the Son. I want to get to know this Holy Spirit that we read about in Genesis who hovered over the waters, the unformed earth. The Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus at his baptism that empowered him for ministry. The Holy Spirit that came upon the early church and it was like a mighty rushing wind. I want to know this person and if I'm filled with this person, don't you think it's a good idea to know who is that person that has filled us and consuming us? Have you noticed that a lot of things in life need to be filled, continually be filled? I mean, it'd be great if you had a car, you fill it up with petrol, that's it. You get five years out of it. You get 20 years, out, oh, you fill up with petrol, you know, just... Yeah smiling at the person next to you, and you think, wow, Land Rover, wow, cool, and there it is, you pay, and then, you know, it's crazy, in a few days, one week later, you've got to fill it again. Some of you um, had dinner last night. Um, what did you have for dinner last night? Oh, why wasn't I invited? Roast lamb, can anyone beat roast lamb? Prawns, fantastic, and... Homemade pizza, oh man. But I bet 
you, you're either hungry now, but give it another couple of hours, you'll be hungry again. Like as good as the roast was, the pizza, the prawns, in time you're going to be hungry again. Even spiritually, you know, you might get up early tomorrow morning, read a psalm and there's a, a revelation. You think, whoa, I've never, I've read that psalm before, but I've never got that revelation before. That's incredible. You're thinking about it throughout the day, but another 24 hours, another 12 hours, you think, oh, I want more revelation. I want to read more, to learn more, to grow more. And so we, and yet, what do we think that at conversion, you're filled with the Holy Spirit and that's it? And the classic verse is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus. Now, in Roman, uh, sorry, in the book of Acts, I think it's around about chapter 19, Paul, when he's writing to the church in Ephesus, which he has established, he, he just asks the question, um, when you believed that Jesus is uh, the anointed one, the Messiah, um, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And of course, their response was, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I can relate to that. Our Father, which art in heaven, yes, and I pray this in the name of Jesus, yes, and I think of hymns about God and Jesus, but I, I didn't really know. I sort of knew, but I didn't. And yet Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. When you're drunk with wine, you know, it's, it consumes you. You're intoxicated. In a way, he's sort of used the analogy, don't be intoxicated with wine. Be consumed with and intoxicated with a person, Holy Spirit. So we're going to have a little Greek lesson now. Woohoo! Hooray for the Greeks. Hey! <laughs> So this word in, you know, you might have NIV, King James, it'll, it'll be similar to this, but a little different. This is from the New Living Translation, but this is how it is in the original language. First of all, though we don't see it here, it's in a imperative mood. Right now, thinking, I'm so glad I came this morning. Imperative mood means this verse, these words, is not an optional extra. You know, would you like fries with that? No, I'd just like the burger. If I wanted fries, I'd ask for fries. This is not an optional extra. Imperative mood means it is a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a command for a person. It's a command for the church in Ephesus. And I'm sure in time this letter was distributed to other cities and nations. But here it is, and I'm realising, whoa. It's a command like, you know, preach the gospel and forgive and whatever. Here is a command. The Pentecostals do not have a monopoly on Holy Spirit. This is for Catholics. This is for Baptists. This is for Anglicans and Church of Christ and brethren, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The other thing that's not obvious 
is in the original language, it's a passive voice. In other words, be filled with the Holy Spirit isn't, oh, you've got to do it, you've got to make it happen. It's let the Holy Spirit fill you. The Holy Spirit desires to fill you with his presence more than your desire to be filled. Now, passive could be misunderstood as well. If he wants to fill me, he'll fill me. When I go to the dentist, which isn't my favourite appointment, it is passive. I'm lying in the chair with my mouth open. I don't go, hey, guy, just give me the drill. Come on. Where's that sucker thing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm completely passive. I'm lying in the chair looking at a little video, which the last time I got a crown, I've got three crowns. It won't be long. I can sing crown him with many crowns. But I was watching a lion rip a zebra to pieces. And I told the dentist, hey, I want goldfish or Bambi or something. I do not want to watch violence. So anyhow, the point is, it is passive. He's doing all the work. But I positioned myself. I made the appointment. And so what this is saying is the feeling of the Holy Spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit. But we need to simply humble ourselves and be vulnerable like lying in that chair at the dentist and let Holy Spirit do its work, filling us with his presence. The other thing that doesn't come out in English so well, it's in the present continuous sense. It sort of reads there, be filled. It sounds like, okay, I was filled in March 1989, Brent Rue, last elective with the lady with the red glasses, da-da-da-da. No, no. Be filled is actually, it's a continuous thing. Continue to be filled. So how that should read is let yourselves, imperative mood, passive voice, let yourselves, present continuous tense, continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll read it again. This is how it should read. Let yourselves continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's conversion. We receive the person of the Holy Spirit. That happens once. You don't get saved and saved and saved and saved and saved. But Holy Spirit comes into our life. But now that command, let yourselves be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And for many of the disciples, they had the Pentecost experience. And then we read in Acts chapter four, after they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It happened again and again and again and again. In fact, if you were to interview Paul and Peter and some of the other disciples, hey, you know, the, the miracles, the preaching, the discipleship, all of that, what would you attribute it to? And they'd say, oh, it was the filling of the Holy Spirit. Couldn't do it without. No glory for Paul, no glory for any other man or woman. They would say, we give all of the glory to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here's another testimony. Many, very many fell down as men slain in battle and continued for hours together in apparently breathless 
and motionless state. Sometimes for a few moments, receiving and exhibiting symptoms of life by a deep groan or piercing shriek or prayer for mercy fervently uttered. That was written in 1801 by a man called Barton Stone. And Barton Stone and Alexander Campbell and others were the founding members of a restoration movement of which Churches of Christ came out of. (laughs) They didn't tell me that at Bible college. It's like Barton Stone was like the crazy uncle. It's like, but there it is. 1801, similar description that you read in the book of Acts. And why wouldn't we want that and need that today? I don't know about you. I couldn't do 23 years, or in fact, 27 years of ministry without Holy Spirit. If I look at the times I struggled the most, it was when I didn't know who Holy Spirit was. And I did it in my strength, at times on my terms, relying on my capacity. But I'd like to leave you you the image of being anointed. It's very similar. To be anointed with Holy Spirit is to be filled with Holy Spirit. Because let's face it, we live with limited energy, limited resources, limited experience, limited knowledge. But imagine operating beyond our natural abilities, our natural knowledge, experience, and influence. Imagine operating consistently in a different realm, the supernatural realm, the realm of the anointing. Imagine being a person in the corporate world and you are making decisions under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you're having influence in the marketplace through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that you listen to Holy Spirit and say, I want you to talk to this client, not about the contract or a project, but you have a word for them that will encourage them. Imagine being an athlete but you run and you jump and you swim and you surf under the anointing of Holy Spirit to the glory of God. You're a teacher, you're a parent, you're in the worship team, you're someone's neighbour, but you are continually being filled with Holy Spirit. You are anointed. You see things, you hear things, you know things, you discern things that go beyond the natural. You operate in a different realm. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we are praying that you will fill us afresh with Holy Spirit person, Holy Spirit, that it's not our agenda. We can't say, well, I want this, but I don't want this. 
however it looks, however it manifests, that there will be a longing that we will walk in the Spirit, we'll be filled with the Spirit, we'll be intoxicated with the Spirit, we'll be sensitive to the Spirit. Fill us afresh to overflowing. Come Holy Spirit and fill hungry hearts, thirsty souls. For those of us who've been walking for decades with you, we are praying like it's the very first encounter, restoring first love, And for anyone, this is all new. Holy Spirit, will you reveal to them the glorious Son of God, His love for them, and that all the days of their life, you have been pursuing them, that they can be part of this amazing triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God Holy Spirit. Be filled, be filled, be filled.